right. I am uh, sunburned, if you can't tell. I've got a jammed pinky finger. I might have pulled a hammy. It was my birthday the other day, and I, I don't know. Someone asked me, do you feel older? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if it's the, the, the number change or the weekend. And I could probably sleep for about 15 hours right now. But it was a great weekend. God moved. He spoke to us. We learned. And uh, what we're going to do this morning is walk through everything we've covered this weekend so that you can hear it, A. And I kind of like it, look at it as like a review session, right? Y'all know, y'all been at school, you do the whole, you do the whole lesson or the whole uh, whatever it's called session, and you come back and you review it. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to start in Genesis, walk through Genesis, a little bit of it, and then we're going to jump to Romans. My shirt, our shirts say, it is good. And what we focused on this weekend was that God's creation, God's design was good. It was perfect. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we see the beginning of the creation accounts. And it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so it's right here in the first three words that we see that God, before time even began, before time was even a thing, that God existed outside of that time. And because he existed outside of the time, before creation even happened, God himself is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything. And so it kind of led to the question on Friday night, well, then why did God create? Why, why are we even here right now? And the answer is that God created out of the overflow of lo- his, his love and fellowship with the Trinity that we, his creation, might be a part of that love and fellowship, might, might experience that in him. So God existed outside of time. He started creation. He's sufficient by himself, and he created out of the overflow, not because he needed us, not because he needed anything, but out of the overflow of his love and fellowship, he created. And throughout the book of, uh, or the chapter one of Genesis, we see this rhythm of God creating, and it was good. God creating, and it was good. Over and over again, he creates everything, Right? There's God's design on everything. And Friday night is where we began looking at God's design in everything. It's 2023, and uh, we can see a sunset. We can see mountains. We can see animals and, and plants. And we get to see a glimpse of God's creation, not in its perfection. We'll get to that in a minute. But we get to see a glimpse of God's perfection. A couple different things for you to just think about when we think about creation Naturally, we think of the plants and the animals and the mountains and the trees, and we think of space and sunsets and God creating the things that we get to see and walk in. But within all that creation, there's even more detail, more creation. There's rock cycles and water cycles. There's the cycles of seasons. This cycle, this beauty that God created within creation. We see God's design in provision of food. 
in, the, in the, uh, the, the food chain. I was talking to one of our leaders this weekend, and we were talking about the wolves in Yellowstone. If you don't know this, just go home today and YouTube the video, Wolves Change Rivers. There was a moment that they removed the wolves from Yellowstone, from God's design of the food chain, and things began to fall apart in Yellowstone. And when they reintroduced them, order was created. God's design is more than just, I created a wolf, but I created a wolf within the structure of the food chain. And then we see God's design within relationships and how creation is to interact with each other. Specifically for us as humans, we see his design in marriage. The marriage is to be a man and a woman, and that is how he's designed it to be. And if we do something other than that, we're going to have issues and problems. We see God's design for the family when it comes to the parent and child relationship. We see the the importance of the father in 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 a child's life, the importance of a mother in a child's life. And we see that children... A part of that design is that they're within wedlock. And I don't have to convince you of it, but when you see that not the case in our world today, there's pain and and, and, and difficulty and frustration because we are living outside of God's design. We see his design for friendship, living out the one another's, handling conflict within, within each other. And in Genesis chapter 1, 27, towards the end of creation, we're going to read this. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And we see that God created man, he created us in his image. We're the one thing in all of creation that bears the image of God. And if you skip to verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. He saw us as his image barriers. And we weren't just good, but we were very good. So God has a perfect design in his creation. And if we live in that design, the the reality is is that we're going to experience the fullness of life that we, that we can read about in John 10.10, 10, one of my favorite verses. If we live within that design, we experience the fullness of life. And so that's chapter 1 right there. That's the creation. And then you go to chapter 2. Rest happens, and we get to see a glimpse into the life of Adam and Eve living within the garden. And we see goodness. We see peace. We see shamelessness. If you read uh, chapter 2, verse 25. We're going to be all over the place, so bear with me. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. We see them existing, guiltless, shameless, in a perfect harmony relationship with God. And that's the key right there. Perfect harmony with God. And it's in this relationship in the garden that Adam and Eve received one command. They had everything provided for them, the shelter, the food, everything that they could possibly need. 
But they were given one command, and we read that command in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 2. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. One command, one thing not to do. Do what you want. You have everything provided for you. You're in perfect harmony relationship within God's perfect design. And if you've been around church enough, you know that uh, the next chapter, things fall apart really quickly. This right here is the perfect perfection of design. And this right here is the mess that we're walking through right now, right? And so God's design that was good then became broken. And so we can, we can read about that in chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Questioning what God said, right? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. God didn't actually say that, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was for good, good for food and that it was a delight to her eyes and that the tree was, a des- was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband, Adam, who was with her as he passively sat there and watched by and let her participate in what God called them not to do. And he ate. Verse 7, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin cloths. We see right here Eve talking to the serpent taking and eat of it, Adam just passively walking by, and there's a whole sermon right there for the men and the husbands in this room to not be passive with their wives. And then God rolls onto the scene, and in verse 8, as Paul, our preacher this past weekend, phrased it, one of the, 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 the saddest verses in the Bible. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So what was once perfect harmony and relationship, living in God's design and, and, and everything he had provided, quickly turned to them hiding from God. Sowing figs and leaves around themselves and running from the relationship that they had with God. And the reality is, is they had just questioned God's design. They had questioned that God was, was holding out on them. Surely if you eat of this tree, you'll, 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 you'll see like him. You'll have knowledge and wisdom like him. He just doesn't want you to have that. He's holding out on you. 
And so they went against God's design. They questioned God's design, and the result was a curse, and the result was kicking them out of the garden. And we read that, that curse just a few verses later, verses 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, and you, are, uh, you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And then to the woman, Eve, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. I always think about uh, the pain of childbearing. Like, y'all describe it, the ladies, as the worst pain ever. And it's like, it wasn't supposed to hurt. It's crazy. That's the curse, right? And then to Adam, verse 17, he says, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. We see work becoming hard and painful and toilsome. But in the middle of this curse, as he looks to the serpent and the woman and the man, there's a promise. God's plan to restore and redeem what was once broken. And we read that in verse 15, where he says to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Her offspring speaks to the Messiah to later be born by the Virgin Mary. That's Jesus. It says, He, Jesus, shall bruise your head. He shall defeat Satan, defeat the enemy, and you shall bruise his heel. It's going to require a death. It's going to require pain and shame and up, up on the cross, dying for you and for me. The bruising of the heel. So Jesus was to be born through Mary. He's going to defeat Satan and die through, through his death and resurrection on the cross. And that was God's plan. Right there in Genesis chapter 3. God's plan, we see it already at the beginning. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. You don't have to flip there. It'll be up on the screen. It says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. Therefore, as one trespass, one sin through Adam not leading his wife as they ate of the, the fruit, led to condemnation for all men. So, one act of righteousness. Jesus coming, 
living a perfect life, going to the cross, willingly dying and raising again because of that righteous act that leads to justification and life for all men. Death through Adam, life through Christ. And that's where we are today. In 2023, Jesus has come, he's died, and he's risen again. God's plan has been put into action. And so when we take a look back at creation and God's design, it was once good, it is now broken. But the promise is, is that it will be restored. Restore means to return to a former condition. A return of creation back to God's design in perfect harmony relationship with God. And Romans chapter 8 spells this out for us. You can flip there. Paul is writing to believers, writing to Christians describing the longing of what we are waiting for as believers on earth in this broken world. And in verse 18, it says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is, that is to be revealed to us. <clears throat> Paul speaks of the suffering of this present time. If you know anything about Paul, he, he knew a little bit about suffering. The pain, the hunger, the persecution that he faced, he knew a little bit about suffering. And Paul tells us that, hey, suffering on this broken earth is sure to happen. But thank the Lord, it is only temporary. And so suffering for us looks like this. You lose a family member or a close friend. Death is still a thing in, on, on earth. The suffering of sickness, the suffering of hung, hunger, uh, hungry, of hunger, of hunger or poverty, the suffering of persecution. In this world, we are going to have trouble. We are going to suffer because while maybe in the room you've given your life to Christ, you know Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, that he died and he rose again, you still live in a broken world. And suffering is promised. And it's in that suffering that we as believers then wait. And so verse 19 he says this, For the creation waits with eager longing for the re revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So we see two things waiting here. We see creation waiting and longing to be restored to God's design, the new earth to come. 
And we see the waiting of us as believers who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, knowing that our suffering is just temporary, the pain we experience on this earth is just temporary, our life on this earth is just a moment when compared to eternity, and that in eternity we will experience God's design again in perfect harmony relationship with him. And so we suffer on this earth. We wait on this earth and we wait with a hope. And Paul speaks to that in the next verse. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For, we, for who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This hope that Paul speaks of is, is an, it's an expectant hope. It's a hope of confidence. Uh, Paul, the, the, the pastor we had out at Refuge, he's also an Aggie. And uh, us Aggies like to hope the Aggies are going to win the national championship each and every year. And let me tell you what, as much as I want to believe that's a hope of expectation and a hope of confidence, it's not. <laughs> it's never worked out. <laughs> hey. But this hope that we have in Jesus, this hope that we have in eternity, this is a hope of expectation, a hope of confidence, a hope of certainty. Christ is our hope. He's our hope in salvation. And he's our hope in restoration. And so as I close here, I just want to ask the question, what is your hope in? I think we can be a follower of Christ and we can fail to put our hope fully in Jesus. And maybe there's someone in the room here that's not a follower of Christ. And maybe today is the day that you need to put your hope in Jesus. I truly do not know how people go through this world without any hope. <laughs>